Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. We've just come back from holidays, so feeling very fresh. Anyone just come back from holidays who went back ages ago and is over everybody talking about their holidays? Go and wave. You want it? Yeah, it's all right. I understand. Sometimes we have to go back early, but uh, we've, we've just come back from a great couple of weeks away, and I want to share tonight, I want to just get right into it tonight, because uh, I have a word that I believe is for people here tonight, and uh, I know that it's the 20th of January, and I know for some of you, you've gone back to everyday life, you're away from holidays, and, and uh, so for some of you, the year's kind of started already. I kind of feel like the start of the year is right now, because I just came back to work Thursday, so... I don't know what's going on, but, but I do want to speak because I do believe tonight uh, what we need to do is we need to position ourselves well for 2019 because I want to see God do his absolute best in my life in 2019. And I believe that uh, tonight as we share around the word that God actually wants to just sow in our hearts an expectation to believe for greater things this year. So it may be the 20th, it may be that for you it's not really the start of the year, but you know what, as Pastor Mark said earlier, I love that thought that maybe you start the year and you've already feel like uh, you'd like to start again. That's, what, that's what's great about God because you can always start again. It may not be the 1st of January. You don't just have to wait until the 1st of January to start a new devotional or make some resolutions about your spiritual life. You can start today and ask that God is going to do something new in your life in 2019. And that's what our prayer is today. And so if you've got your Bibles Tonight, just get them out. We're going to read from John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And uh, it's going to be on the screen as well. For those of you who don't have your Bibles with you tonight, you can follow along. We're going to read from verses 17 to 26. And we're going to read about the account of when Jesus comes and he comes upon Lazarus's tomb. And uh, prior to this passage, word comes to Jesus while he's ministering elsewhere in a different town that a good friend of his, Lazarus, is sick. And his disciples wonder if he's going to go straight away because Jesus' ministry has already shown that he will pray for people who are sick, that he has raised those from the dead. And so they go to Jesus and they ask him, will you come now? And Jesus doesn't move straight away, but then he gets word that poor Lazarus has in fact succumbed to whatever illness he has and has died. And so we pick up the story in verse 17 as Jesus travels along to see Lazarus's tomb. And on his arrival, verse 17, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We're going to skip down to verse 38 now. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. 
Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, when we look at this passage, it's confronting to us and it's relevant to us today because we might have a lot of different fears in life. Um, I personally have a fear of spiders. Anyone else hate spiders? They must be killed in my house immediately upon sight. I'm not one of these people that takes the spider out into the garden, live and let live. No, people who are doing that, you are part of the problem. Let me just tell you that right now, because then they come to my house. I have a fear of spiders. They say that public speaking is kind of this great fear that people have often. But then you look at, at what Lazarus and his family faces, and, and death is really the ultimate, isn't it? Because no matter what we do, no matter how confident we may feel, no matter what fears we have conquered, no matter how many self-help books that we have read about facing your fears and thinking positively, we all know that death is coming to us. And we all have that fear as well because none of us want to lose the ones that we love. And so death is kind of the ultimate, isn't it? It's the ultimate thing. And I love that Jesus attacks it straight head on in this passage because we have a lot of fears. Maybe we have a lot of worries. Maybe even as I'm speaking right now, as we head into 2019 for good, we all go back to work and Maybe some of you have some fears about this year. Maybe some of you have some fears about this week. Some of you are starting work. Some of you are getting back into school, university, and you have some fears. But you know what? When Jesus faces this situation, it's the ultimate one. And yet what I love about this is that Jesus shows us that even with the ultimate, the ultimate thing that we face, death that we cannot conquer, no matter how many medical problems we've solved, Jesus is not afraid of what we're afraid of. And Jesus can conquer anything. And we're gonna look at this passage today. And I just sensed as I was praying in my heart this week for this message that God wants to encourage people today, specifically with this word, because we can have a fear about laying our concerns and our needs before Jesus. Sometimes we're afraid to share with others what we're going through. But we see that Jesus comes, and when he arrives, Lazarus, the Bible tells us, is dead for four days. And so Jesus comes on day four, and it's significant that he comes on the fourth day, because there was a bit of a tradition or superstition, if you like, in Jewish culture at that time. And you can imagine that they didn't have the kind of medical facilities that we have today when a loved one passes a doctor and pronounces them and things like that, but they didn't have that. People had lots of different illnesses and there were probably a lot of things that were beyond their skill. And so there was kind of a tradition or a bit of a superstition amongst Jewish people that when a loved one died, they would put them in their grave, in their tomb, but for the first three days, a loved one would go and sit and check in with the body. And the reason they would do that is to kind of confirm that they were really gone. 
And so they'd go day one and they'd take the spices and all that kind of thing. And a loved one would sit there for the first day and then again for the second day and then again for the third day. And the kind of tradition at that time was that on the fourth day, it was kind of confirmed, officially confirmed that the loved one was gone. They believed that at that point, the soul would leave the body and that was it. There's no turning back after three days. And so Jesus arrives on the fourth day. He arrives when, according to their customs, according to their beliefs, that was it. It was over. It was over. There was no hope. And then Jesus shows up at that point. Have you ever felt like that in your life? Have you ever felt like Jesus shows up maybe a bit late? Have you ever felt like saying to God, if only you'd been there a little bit earlier? If only you'd shown up a bit earlier. It feels a little bit like Jesus kind of forgot about them. It feels like Jesus kind of should have managed his time a little bit better and maybe traveled a bit quicker. And now it's confirmed he's gone and, and it seems like it's too late. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that you've heard a promise from God, but maybe it's not for you or maybe other people have told you. Stop holding on, stop waiting, don't worry about it, it's too late. Just accept things the way they are because you're on day four and that's it. This is your situation. And this is what Jesus walks into. He walks into a situation that seems totally impossible. But what does he do next? In verse 39, he says this, he says, take away the stone. And uh, when I read the Bible, I like to ask myself a lot of questions. And I, I read that and I think, why did Jesus ask them to take away the stone? Why did Jesus ask them to roll away that heavy stone? I mean, it's Jesus. At this point, he's shown that he can do some pretty amazing things. We know later on in the Bible that he rolls a stone away from a tomb, his own tomb. I mean, surely if he can raise people from the dead, heal people from the sick, he can, he can move the stone himself. Why does he get others to move the stone. You know, I believe that he asked people to move the stone because he wants to know, are they in this with Jesus or not? Yeah. You see, because it's one thing to say that you believe what Jesus says. It's one thing to say, I believe all the promises in the Bible, yes and amen, but then it comes to reality. And Jesus is there and it's day four and everyone else who's there because the Bible tells us everyone came to give their commiserations and to comfort them. They all know what it means when they roll the stone away because it's one thing to say that you believe it, but now if, if the family actually roll the stone away, they're saying we actually think that there's some hope. You know, Jesus asks us to put our faith in him to show that we trust that he can make a difference in our lives. And so he says to them, you roll the stone away. I love that. Is your faith big enough to do the unthinkable? Is your faith big enough to do something that everyone else thinks is a little bit crazy? Because I bet you there are plenty of people there thinking, poor Mary, poor Martha, in their grief, they've gone to a special place. They're now moving the stone away, but they choose nonetheless to trust in him. Is your faith big enough to do something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable? Is your faith big enough to trust Jesus even when it seems a little bit crazy? And so they roll the stone away, or they're about to roll the stone away, and the Bible says that Martha kind of just 
pauses for a moment and says, do you think we should do that? Because it's going to smell when you roll the stone away. It's going to smell kind of a bit. And I love that. I love that she talks about the smell because we often talk about the Bible and whether or not we should believe everything that the Bible says. And there's a lot out there in the world today that makes you believe perhaps the Bible isn't relevant. It was written so long ago. There's some things that we should follow like love one another and and there are things that are not relevant. But I love this passage because here's the thing. You and I, when our loved ones passes, we don't actually deal with their physical bodies anymore. We have a different way of living. We have funeral parlors and all that kind of stuff. We don't really get involved in that whole process. But in that culture, at that time, if your loved one passed away, it was up to the family to look after the body and bury the body. So everybody there knew it would smell. Everyone that she's stating something that's really obvious. So I like to think that that comment is actually there for us because we don't realize that it might smell. I've had not heaps of experience, but I can tell you one pretty bad experience that I had. I went to Nepal last year to do some Bible training with some pastors there, and um, they took us around to see the sights on the first day, see all these amazing temples. And, uh, and uh, some of the boys who've been, uh, they said to me, you know, make sure you take some face masks because it really smells and it's smoggy and, and make sure, they always look after me, all the guys at the office, and they said, you make sure that you get, you know, some of those masks because it's really bad. And, and so the first day we're looking around sightseeing and I've got my masks in my bag and I thought, it smells all right. It's okay. I can handle this. And so day two, we got to do some more sightseeing and I'm getting my bag ready for the day. And I thought, oh, I'm practically a local now in Nepal. And I just left my face masks back in the hotel. And we were fine until we got to this one temple. And we got to this one temple and as we were walking along, the smell that hit us, the stench. And we could see across a river, so we were not close to it. The river was kind of like, if you, it was the outside of the church foyer, and I'm standing here, and there's a river, and on the other side of the river, kind of between the distance of where I'm standing now, and say outside the church foyer into the car park, on the other side, you can just see that they're burning things. And I said to the guy that was our guide, I said, what are they doing over there? And he said, well, it's a ritual for a different religion, and they're burning bodies. This is where they come and they bring their loved ones. Let me tell you about the smell. It stank so badly. It was so bad. And I went with one of our other leaders, Julia, and she turned to me and she said, now's a good time to get out those face masks, isn't it? But I didn't have them with me because I thought I knew what I was doing. But the smell, oh, it was, it was awful. It reached us all the way across the river. We couldn't see a whole lot, but we knew it was bad. And so Martha says to Jesus what seemingly kind of obvious, but also a little bit odd to us in that moment. Because Jesus comes and he says, no, no, roll away the stone. And she says, but it's going to stink. It's going to smell. I love the uh, King James version of this. She says, it stinketh. I just love that. Turn to the person next to you and say, it stinketh. It's just good. Just people don't talk like that anymore. So And she's saying to Jesus, I have some concern, because there's all these people who have come 
to wish us well and to grieve with us. And now you want to roll the stone away and stink this whole place up. And I understand her concern. I understand because, you see, what you've got to understand about poor Mary and Martha is the Bible tells us that they weren't necessarily, they were pretty well off probably as a family, but they had one male relative that was their brother. That's Lazarus, who's in the tomb. And the thing about culture at that time is that you needed a male relative to look after you. If you were a woman who was single on your own and you didn't have a father, you didn't have an older brother to look after you, you were in a pretty bad situation. You couldn't go out to work. You couldn't earn income. And so they're doing okay. But then one day, Lazarus, their brother, who's been looking after them, their whole security network, he gets sick. And they're not people who are poor, they're people who are well off. So I imagine that he gets sick and I imagine that they went and used the best resources that they had to that day to try and help their brother get better. And I imagine that they went not just to one doctor or someone who could help them, they went to many people to help them because they had the resources and he got sick and they didn't know what to do because no one had the answer. And then it gets worse though because he gets even more sick. And then they send word to Jesus saying, it's bad. It's bad because we've tried everything and you better come, but Jesus doesn't come. And so these women who have security in their brother, now suddenly he passes. And now suddenly their whole world is about to fall apart. And so she's faced all of that already at the time that Jesus comes because she's gone to the grave on the first day and the second day and the third day and the fourth day. And it all seems so hopeless. And then Jesus comes and he says, now let's roll the stone away. And Martha says what probably a lot of us would have been thinking if we were in her shoes. I don't want to because it stinks. You know why? Because it's bad enough, in other words. It's bad enough that we've lost our brother. It's bad enough that we've gone through all of this. But now you want me to open that stone so that everyone can smell the stench and the decay and be so aware of the loss, of the depth of our need, and I just don't wanna expose everyone to that. It's bad enough that I've lost him, Jesus. It's bad enough that we prayed and we tried everything that we could, but now he's gone, and now you want me to roll the stone away, and everyone is gonna smell it and understand exactly how bad it is. They don't need more reminders. I don't need to expose my need any greater than it already is, thanks Jesus. And Jesus says, nonetheless, roll the stone away. And I understand Martha in that moment because how often have we felt like that? How often have we had a need but we're too afraid to expose the depth of our need? Even when we come to church, we're too afraid to lay it out because we're worried. We don't want people to really know. And so we grin and we bear and we come to church and we smile and we say, praise God. But inside our hearts are breaking and people come and they ask us, but they don't realize that you've been praying for year after year after year to have children, but it still won't happen. And so there's a need there, but you don't want to expose it. You don't want to stand up and say, pray with me, because isn't it bad enough already that I've been praying, God? I don't want to lay that need out. Well, what about those of us who are here today who maybe are struggling with our families? 
with our children. We've tried everything that we can try. We've prayed, we've tried, we've done all the things, we've read all the books, we've spoken to all the people and it's still not working and I don't wanna just keep coming. I don't wanna lay that need out because God, it's bad enough already. God, my marriage has come to that point where I don't know what else I can do and I don't wanna lay that need because it's bad enough and the smell is great and I don't want it to affect everyone around me. And so Martha, she has this concern because she doesn't want to lay it at Jesus' feet. And you know what I love about this is that Jesus is totally calm in this situation. Martha's thinking about all the other people who are going to make a face, smell that smell. Maybe some of the other people there are also worried too. Who's this guy? He's going to come now. It could have been a nice, dignified funeral. And then this guy shows up and he's talking about moving stones and he's talking about doing all these things. And everyone is probably worried, but the only person who is totally unconcerned with the smell is Jesus. He's just standing there like, let's roll the stone. Let's do it. Let's get that stone rolled away and just see what I can do. You see, there's something powerful about that because when we're willing to expose the depth of our need, God actually meets us at that place, at that place to bring blessing into our lives. You know, in Matthew, uh, Jesus on his famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verses four and six, he says these words that you'd probably be familiar with, the Beatitudes. He says, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. In other words, when we're willing to come and lay our needs before Jesus and roll that stone away and say, Jesus, this is my need. This is the depth of my need. Jesus actually says, you're gonna be blessed. You're actually gonna be blessed, not because you're blessed when you mourn, but when you bring your grief to Jesus, he will bring blessing in its stead. That's the blessing. That's the power behind those words. As we expose the depth of our need, God meets us right where we're at. And so Jesus is standing there and everyone's concerned about what he's gonna do next, but he is completely and totally calm because he knows if you just roll that stone away, it's all gonna work out in the end. And so they roll the stone away and Jesus does something pretty powerful. And you know, as you think about that moment, uh, maybe if you grew up in church and you went to Sunday school or you saw all those kind of Bible cartoons when you were a kid, about all the Bible stories, we have this really beautiful picture in our mind of, of Lazarus coming out. And I just did a quick Google of some of the pictures that you can find. I just want to put the first one up there. And uh, you can just see that at the bottom right there, there's Lazarus. At the top's Jesus just kind of, everyone looks pretty calm and happy and it's a very holy moment. You can just imagine there was some kind of orchestra playing if it was a kind of cartoon. Lazarus, come out. But the Bible actually describes it a little bit differently. The Bible actually describes Lazarus as being bound head to toe in bandages. So it looks a little bit more like the second picture. Yeah, like a mummy, yeah. It says that he's completely bound from the top of his head to his feet. So now you've got to think about this. Now I have a pretty active imagination as I'm sure you've figured out because, because when you read that, we tend to think, oh, he just came out. 
hey guys, I'm here. And everyone was happy, hey Lazarus, you're back. Oh, reunion, so good, but it says that he was totally bound still, like a mummy, which means he couldn't have even walked. And so he kind of probably shuffled out. And I try to think of the word to describe it, and the only word that I can think of is creepy. It's creepy. It's a bit, just imagine, someone's gone and confirmed this poor man is gone, and then Jesus turns up, he rolls the stone away, and then out comes this, and it's not, hey, I'm Lazarus, here I am. It's a guy all bound up in bandages, kind of shuffling out. Someone would have to go and help him. I just love that. I love that because when we come to God and we have an expectation of what he's going to do in our lives, we often think that it's going to be very neat, good moment, I'm waiting for my miracle, it's going to come like this. There's going to be an orchestra playing too, ah, as the miracle comes. But sometimes the miracle comes and it doesn't quite look the way that we want it to. You see, because as Lazarus came out, they had to go, Jesus says, go and help him. Take off the bandages because it's creepy and he can't move. And so someone had to go and unravel the bandages and take it apart bit by bit. And I'm sure given what Martha says, someone took him and gave him a nice, good shower, put on some clothes, and then we see Lazarus the way that we would imagine it, probably having a nice meal. But it took a few processes before he got to that point. He comes out and it kind of looks a little bit like maybe Jesus didn't do the job properly. He's still in bandages. He can't move. You see, sometimes when God comes and he brings a miracle into our lives, we get discouraged because we're expecting the orchestra. We're expecting him to come out, but actually it's all a little bit gross. Maybe sometimes a bit creepy, maybe a bit discouraging, maybe not at all the way we pictured it. We pray for our friends to come to church and we pray and we invite them and they come and then they stand there totally creeped out and we think, God, but you promised me. God, you said to pray for my friends and we get discouraged because the picture isn't what we thought it would be, but God is still doing something nonetheless. Can I say in 2019, it's time to take our eyes off what we can only see and believe that God is working nonetheless, even if the picture doesn't look like what we want it to look like. And so Lazarus comes, and what I love is that Jesus breathed life back into Lazarus' body. He breathed life, but then he took off the bandages off the things that bound him. Not only did he receive life, but he was free from what had previously bound him through the power of Jesus. And so the stones rolled away. One final thought. They rolled that stone away. And you'd think at that moment, that's the moment that Jesus is gonna go in and see his friend. I mean, you know, he lays hands on people and they get healed. He lays hands, he breaks some bread, it multiplies. So this is Lazarus, his friend, and he's dead. So I'm thinking it requires, you know, a great big prayer, you know, big miracle, big prayer, got to get worked up about it. I'm thinking if I'm friends with Jesus, I want the full ministry. Thank you very much. So Jesus, I want you to go in there. You go into that stinking grave, Jesus, and you lay your hands on Lazarus. 
But the Bible says he doesn't even go in. He doesn't even go into the tomb. Good thinking, Jesus, because it smelt. He doesn't go in. He doesn't lay hands. He doesn't stay there for hours. He doesn't go on and on and on. It says that Jesus did simply this. He stood and he spoke. And as he spoke, Lazarus responded. See, we often think there are all these keys, you know, to receiving our miracle. We've got to get 10 friends to pray, come back every day. We've got to get people to fast with us. It's not enough for us to fast on our own. No, no, this is a big miracle. You better fast with me. And we think there are all these things, and yet there's one very simple thing that Jesus does. It's simply the power of his word that brings restoration. It's the power of his word that actually changes that situation. As he stands at the mouth of that tomb, and he simply speaks, and the words, the sound of his words are enough to bring life once more and to free Lazarus from what bound him. And sometimes, you know, church, as Pentecostals, we think there's a lot of things that we got to do to see God move in our lives, but it's actually very simple. And in 2019, let me encourage you, let it be a year that you begin to really absorb yourself in the Word of God, because it's the Word of God that changes our life. If you want to see change in 2019, you've got to be a person that goes into the Word of God. And let the Word of God change your situation because it's the Word of God that is powerful to change even what was dead, even what was gone, what was confirmed as gone. You see, they went to the tomb every day. Every day they went, but Jesus came not on day one, not on day two, not on day three, but he came on day four when it was all over and just his Word was enough to change everything. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.